Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, we're going to put on a podcast. Oh yes. You see, listeners, Jim Morrison and a half-naked Native American visited me in a dream last night. They told me, if you record it, they will listen. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the 94th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by RevengeTheFans.com in our final episode of the Hops and Saturday Night Flops series. It's Wayne's World 2. Party time. Excellent. Wayne's World. (laughs) So, before we begin, along with me are the legendary roadie and shopkeeper murderer, Captain Cash. You know, this one time, I was hanging out backstage. I had the brown acid. That was bad. Where am I? Uh, yep, uh, you're in a padded room. We Skyped you in. This is our monthly visit with you. Uh, hope this you're doing nice. well. Your brain is fried. Because this is your brain on drugs. Uh, we also have one of the several voices inside Glenn's head. That's the manager of Stan Makita's, Chumpzilla. So, Mr. Wizard, I hear you're putting on some kind of podcast. That's good. People need to be entertained. They need the distraction. I wish to God somebody would do something to block out these voices inside my head for five minutes. The voices that scream over and over. Why do these bad movies come to me to die? Why do they come to me to die? Ah, whatever you say, Chet. Uh, (laughs) And lastly, we have Mayor McCheese, who finally received his Sports Illustrated football phone and... Round of applause, guys. He finally got his pubes. Oh, here, here. Cheers. Yay. Though, I mean, are, are we being serious? Of If any of the four of us recently got their pubes, it was you, Mr. Wizard. <laughs> you didn't tell him about my pubes, did you? No. 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 Huh. So, fellas, this podcast is going to test you. Because we're putting on hop stock. It's not going to be easy. So before we begin, I just want you to know, you're all worthless. You're less than nothing. What's keeping you here? You don't belong here. Why don't you all just quit? Because I have no place else to go. Good answer. Okay, with that out of the way, points of order. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Flops. You can find myself when I'm not getting stairway denied at my local guitar shop, at WriterTLK on Twitter. Captain Cash, where can they find you? You can find me at C-A-P-T-C-E-S-H on most of your social media. Is that supposed to be Garth? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I was say, is that just a stoner? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I was like, eh, do Garth. Eh, I don't really know how to do Garth. Eh, general stoner. That's fine. Okay. That works. Uh, Zilla, where can they find you? Shaw, excuse me, baking powder. You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Yeah, maybe people will when monkeys fly out of their butt. 
Mayor McCheese. Oh, God. This pod is going to be so painful. And Mayor McCheese, <laughs> where can they find you? They can find me on Oh, okay. So that's HBOF McCheese, and you'd like a small orange juice. Got it. Yes. Well, the orange juice, not so much, because tonight we are drinking Voodoo Rangers Higher Plane from New Belgium Brewing. It's a hazy imperial IPA that strikes a balance between bitter flavors and juicy tropical aromas, and it clocks in at a Captain Cash-approved 8.5 ABV. I will crack one now. I will as well. Cheers. 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 Uh, So... I think that this is a good IPA. I like the flavors quite a bit. At 8.5, I give it two and a half to three movies. Three on the high end. What do you guys think? Because this is a beer we're all able to get. Uh, It is good. We'll start with you, Chubzilla. Oh, I agree. This is a solid two bad beer movie for me. It is a very drinkable IPA. And at eight and a half... It's not too boozy in its taste, but it definitely packs a punch. So, yeah, two movies in, you'll be feeling it. Yeah, I have to say, uh, knowing that there is eight and a half in this is exciting, but I don't taste it at all. No, not at all. This, I mean, this is, we were texting earlier, this is the smoothest, like, above seven, seven and a half percent IPA we've done, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very citrusy, and I think that's what's covering the alcohol flavor. Um, I don't know. I I don't love it. I'd go one and a half, two movies. Okay. Uh, McCheese? I like it a lot. I'd give it a solid three. I'd sit through three, and it's going to sneak up on you, so I probably won't remember that third movie, but I'll be on the couch in front of it. That works. So Higher Plane went with it because, obviously, Wayne in this movie is on sort of a walkabout or vision quest. That's that a movie we should do. Yeah, without, there's no without, way that made money. It did not. Uh, to put on a concert in Aurora, Illinois. So, Wayne's World 2 was directed by Stephen Surgic. Uh, he replaced Penelope Spheris. Uh, she declined to return due to conflicts with Mike Myers. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, Wayne, kind of a dick. As, Who knew? Uh, as it turns out a little bit, they have reconciled since. It stars Mike, the spy who shagged me, Myers, as Wayne Campbell. Dana, not gonna do it, Larry, as Garth Algar. Tia, crucial taunt career as Cassandra. Christopher, this uncomfortable hunk of metal, walking as Bobby Kahn. Chris Chippendales Farley as Milton, R.I.P., buddy. Ralph 1,000 brown M&M's, brown as Del Preston, Kim, I dated Batman, Basinger as Honey Hornet, Schwing. Schwing. Uh, Oof, what a babe. If she was a president, she would be Abraham Lincoln. She's magically <laughs> babelicious. You're, you're just doing bits from the first movie, which actually tracks because that's all they do in this fucking film, too. You settled down. Hey, oh, settle down over there. He's salty like a margarita. So you've got James. You can never beat me, Egg Shen, as Hong, as Jeff. Jimmy Hong! Who is uh, Cassandra's father. And you've got Charlton, you damn dirty ape. Heston, yes, that's not a typo. He's the knowledgeable gas station attendant and the good actor. 
And there's a whole bunch of other familiar faces from the first film, such as Lee Turgenson, who I love because he was on Oz. Uh, Dan Bell, they're both like the uh, camera people and the, the stage crew for Wayne's World. Ed O'Neill, of course, returns as Glenn, the psychopathic manager of Stan Makita's diner. On the Loki, this movie is a uh, Married with Children reunion because uh, Jefferson, also in it, as Mr. Scream. <laughs> oh, that's right. I When I was watching this, I'm like, isn't that the guy from... Wait. Yeah. Is that Mr. Marcy Darcy? Yeah, he's the second husband. Uh, Wayne's World 2 uh, rushed into production because Wayne's World was a huge hit. It grossed over $180 million worldwide. It is still, to this day, the highest grossing Saturday Night Live adaptation. By Jeez, far. 20 years later. And it's the only 30. one to break $100 million. Uh, and that, hold on, that our, our litmus test on that is just movies based off of skits, skits right? yeah. Okay, because I was about to say, there's got to be an SNL person who went on to do oh, yeah. enormous movies. Will Ferrell, Ferrell oh. Adam Sandler, yeah. yeah, but no, yeah, skit-based. Okay. Yeah. Saturday Night Live property. This was produced by Lauren Michaels. Yeah, oh, he's, God. he's produced <laughs> other things, but that involved people from SNL, but this is directly tied to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. So this was released in Christmas season 1993. It earned just $48 million worldwide. One of the weird oddities I found was that the first one made a lot of money overseas. This one made nothing. So I don't know if they just didn't release this overseas in most territories or what, or people, but it made nothing. It made like a couple thousand bucks. Um, and that was on a budget of $40 million, which was over double the budget of the first movie. And it kind of got lost in this crowded holiday field that included Mrs. Doubtfire. Big Aerosmith year. Big <laughs> Aerosmith year. Dude does indeed Dude. look like a lady. Yeah. Uh, Schindler's List and The Pelican Brief. Ah, uh, yes. The famous and hilarious comedy Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> you want to watch these? You want to watch these back to back on your comedic movie bender? <laughs> yeah, what is it? It goes Wayne's World Two, Mrs. Doubtfire, Schindler's List, and then you have you know Pelican we... Reef as a as a palate cleanser. Yeah, I was, about to, yeah. I was about to say which one's the palate cleanser? Is it Schindler's List or Pelican's Reef? Oh boy, oof. So this movie was decently reviewed, sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes with with forty five reviews and a sixty percent on Metacritic. That was worse than the first one, but, you know, not that much worse that you'd think it would do as poorly as it did at the box office. I will say this. If you like the first one, you won't hate this movie. Yeah, good point. I mean, you you definitely won't hate it. Uh, No, it is. It's derivative in some ways. I think I think it's actually very funny uh, because it, it does the same sorts of things, but we'll get there. Uh, how would sure. you describe this film in one sentence? We'll start with Captain Cash. This movie licks the cat's butt. Moving on. <laughs> I disagree with Captain Cash. I want to put that on the record. It, it's it, that that's a self-referential remark. I, it's, I think it it's fits. in there. It's I in feel there. like that counts. I strongly disagree, but we'll move on to uh, Mayor McCheese because I can't handle two negative one-sentence descriptions in a row. So. As a man who likes bonus footage, I am I was a hundred percent in for ninety minutes of Wayne's World One bonus footage. Exactly. Uh, 
Chubzilla, come on. Come Prepare on. yourself. Prepare yourself. Wayne's World 2 is a schlocky retread of the first movie with an Aerosmith music video shoved up its butt. Well, I mean, there's a Alice Cooper music video in the first one. Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> I would describe this movie as, if you don't like this movie, I implore you to sit next to me on a couch when I hold up a card that says, this man blows goats. I have proof. <laughs> <laughs> The actual IMDb description, the inseparable duo try to organize a rock concert while Wayne must fend off a record producer who has an eye for his girlfriend. That is uh, Christopher Walken, by the way. Christopher Walken is the sleazy record producer, and he is very sleazy, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Babby. That is such a massive downgrade from Rob Lowe. Like, what is... What is, well, uh, yeah. what is Tia Carrera doing? She had Rob Blow as the possible love interest in the last one, and now Walken. Listen, they just don't okay. do enough with Walken. They just don't do enough with him. He's he's funny. He's slick. That, that character had room to grow, and they just didn't give it any space. This is Tia Carrera's love interest arc. Obviously, I mean, let's put Wayne aside because he's the real love interest. But you have Rob Blow, Walken. The balding terrorist from True Lies. So, not, for not the record, str- everyone, this is radio. <laughs> the thunderous wizard is indicating a strong downward motion. Yeah. What, what, what about uh, Kevin Cole, Sorbo Cole, Cole the Conqueror? So keeps yeah. going down. It doesn't get <laughs> yeah, better. Kevin Sorbo is definitely worse than the dude from True Lies. I don't. Are we know talking how... about True Lies without talking about batteries? Yeah, batteries. I batteries. Don't... I don't know how Tinder works, but it seems to me like she was swiping the wrong direction. <laughs> yes. Definitely needed, confused her left and right for sure. Yeah. I'd also like to point out that Kevin Sorbo blows goats, and I have proof. Oh, for sure. For sure. So let's get into the plot, uh, which I'll go through pretty quick because I'm more interested in talking about what gags you enjoyed and what scenes you enjoyed than going through all the weird shit that does happen in the movie. Because like the first movie, it's often nonsensically transitioned between scene to scene to scene and weird jokes are thrown in. So the film basically picks up right where the first one left off. Only Wayne and Garth have now moved out of their parents' homes and into an abandoned warehouse. Uh, abandoned doll factory. Oh, yeah. Abandoned doll factory. Abandoned doll factory. Uh, That's definitely less creepy. I'd also like to pause for two seconds and say that is an awesome path. Like I would definitely live there. I mean, got an elevator, you got the fireman thing, you have enough room to play indoor uh, hockey and also kung fu fight. Like yeah. I, I would live in that warehouse. You want the kung fu fighting space for sure. It's a sweet yeah. deal. It's and you film a, a TV deal. show in there. Yeah, which they do. That's where they film Wayne's World now. And all I have to worry about is the haunted dolls, really. Yeah, which could be creepy. Could be. A little bit. But, you know, Garth is prepared to handle some haunted dolls. He did build a robot to murder Benjamin in Wayne's World 1. That's what that robot is for. To murder Benjamin. For anybody who didn't know. Such a weird scene. So, we're in the warehouse. We find out Garth has finally got his pubes. Of course, they own the show again. They're driving to Chicago to catch an Aerosmith concert to which they have backstage passes. They meet Cassandra there. They meet Bobby. But 
we get a retread of the we're not worthy we're not worthy yeah we saw the first movie guys well, you ha- i mean they like, have to do that that's part of the skit from the snl uh, era. yeah no i know i'm sorry but if you're if you're upset about callbacks to these this like the way these characters behave and your favorite series of movies is essentially all callbacks to the way characters behave you're not understanding how you write characters they're they're just they're just two movies eating two movies that came out a year apart so what yeah we haven't forgotten the first one yet yeah uh, they're, they're just repeating the oh, same they're, gag. They're, they're doing the thing. Oh, oh they're doing the, the thing. Uh, from yeah, the, other, that, the other thing that we saw yeah. last year. So tell me then, uh, because in the first movie they they got backstage and they got to hang out with Alice Cooper. In this movie, they're denied because they look like a couple of schlubs, and of course they then run into a couple of other schlubs who are total nerds. Oh, yeah, they wait, run into what? fucking Better Call Saul. I love that. Bob Odenkirk just kind of hanging out backstage because why not? It's not just Robert Bob Odenkirk. Smigel. It's Robert Smigel, famous SNL writer. Of course, Bob Odenkirk worked with uh, Mike Myers in Second City in Chicago. There's a lot of great comedy connection there, and those guys are very funny. My mom dropped me off at the park and ride. <laughs> My mom gave me a dollar and dropped me off at the park and ride. I drove up from Wilmette. Uh, <laughs> it took us 40 minutes door to door. I do like the part where are you are you from the wayne's world ship if wayne says we're not <laughs> yeah uh, that might be the best acting mike myers does in the movie he looks over garth like dude dude like, yeah you just said my name I was, I, have, I was solid i have to tell you this scene is so eerily reminiscent to the one high school dance i went to where this person who i i took out of like an agreement with a friend of mine immediately left me and I was stuck at the punch table with, like, the freaks from Table 9 and the Wedding Singer. So you're Bob Odenkirk? And they're like, oh, hey, you're here? It's like, yeah, I'm here. Now I'm stuck here. <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't Bob Odenkirk. I just, I feel like we're getting some, some dark backstory to the Thunderous Wizard's origins. Well, it certainly explains a lot, if you know me. But let's not go too far, knowing... Knowing him as well as I do, let's not go too no, far down no. this rabbit hole. Let's this talk is going to be movie. sad drinking, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're yeah, done. I don't, uh, don't want to have that happen. We're done talking her, about her my, name was uh, Kelly Leppert. Kelly Leppert, that was her name. No, definitely not. Don't know who that is. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it was Stacy. Cut, that. cut we, that. We dated for a while. She uh, bought me a gun rack. Yeah, no. Yeah. But oh, you I don't mean, own yeah, a I mean, gun, let alone many guns, to necessitate an entire rack. Uh Ah, oh, rack. After that came the severed head. So, my checkered uh, love history aside, after they attend this concert, Wayne is uh, having a dream, and he is visited by the half-naked Native American and Jim Morrison, who implores Wayne to put on a concert. Like he's searching for a meaning in his life. This is what's going to provide you meaning. You're going to put on a concert in Aurora, Illinois. How are the bands going to come? Well, if you book them. They will come. We're going to make a reference to Field of Dreams. And, like, this this for me is the most frustrating part about this movie. Is in the last movie, Wayne had a purpose. It was to create his TV show, to get it be or to have it be successful. And it feels like in this one, they just went, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Have Jim Morrison tell him what he's going to do. Yes, it is. Flimsy Caption Cash. You're not wrong about that, but... This entire movie, I mean, the characters themselves are quite flimsy. So 
First thing they have to do is find Del Preston, this legendary roadie who lives in London. We get a gag about them, you know, the studio not putting up enough money to send them to London and two stand-ins standing in front of what is seemingly tourist attractions there. Yeah. No, I mean, that was a, a fun meta gag, I, you know, especially for 1993. That was pretty solid comedy. Yeah, the plane on a like a metal stick and, you know. Yeah everything else so amidst all this you've got the promotion of the concert them attempt to get a permit for the concert which involves the dotting of the lowercase j's the fundraiser at comrades etc you've also got cassandra's burgeoning career taking off uh, while being guided by creepy bobby christopher walken garth is also becoming a man because uh, from what i understood he wasn't in the script very much so they basically re they wrote this subplot in which is him and honey hornet uh he's becoming a man in the macho and silly sense as in he's no longer a stranger in the ways of a woman because uh, he's been shacking <laughs> up with femme fatale yeah. honey hornet. Yeah. yeah kim basin basinger is seducing him to murder her husband yeah. yes which yes. is also one of my favorite parts because she gives him the gun and he's like i'm gonna do it for you and he goes outside he's like Clutching the gun by his four, his index finger and yeah, his like thumb. Yeah, like he's grabbed a bug. Yeah. No way, man. <laughs> well, I, I like it how, you know, in the heat of passion, he agrees to do it while she's nuzzling his crotch with her face. And he's like, he's a dead man. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and, then, and then once he's outside, he comes to his senses. Yeah. I, I have to say, Dana Carvey's face here, like, it's showing every bit of his 39 years. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't uh, I don't know what Dana Carvey did prior to Wayne's World 2, but I'm betting hard drugs is among them. Well, he he talks about like at what point did this sort of this skit or this concept sort of jump the shark and he mentioned it's like basically when the jo- the first joke of the movie is and Garth just got his pubes and meanwhile there's like two 40-year-old men. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did have a question. What how old are they supposed to be? They're supposed to be like twenty-two. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say they like they just moved out of their parents' house and they're like trying to you know get their life path. I was like, all right, they're somewhere between the ages of nineteen and twenty-four, yeah. and then we're like, Garth got his pubes. I was like, that's just low-hanging fruit. <laughs> I mean, I Nobody... you know obviously they're over twenty-one, but they're in their twenties. But the thing I think that Captain Cash is alluding to is that no one in this movie appears to be younger than 30. No, yeah. God, no. No one at all. <laughs> and they're all supposed to be like late teens to mid-20s, but they all look like they're 45. <laughs> they do, yeah. So that's what, you, that's what you get with a Rush sequel. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's the first one, too. I mean, eh, whatever. And no how, real script. How, how, how old's Tia Carrera in this one? Like and well, the, the movies are a year apart, so it's not like this huge. Yeah. Game, but... Well, she was still relatively young because that was sort of her big break. And by yeah. the way, had she not gotten Wayne's World, she was going to appear on Baywatch. So super upgrade for her because she's like a real character in Wayne's World, and she's pretty pretty awesome. And she gets to show off her singing, and you know she's won two Grammys. That's not a that's not a joke. So really? she was born yeah. in sixty seven. This is ninety three. So she's mid twenties. Yeah. Okay. So she's still fairly young. Um, anyways, while Garth is off uh, sowing his royal oats, 
Wayne is struggling. Sowing his what? Royal oats. It's uh, coming to America. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Wayne is struggling with his newfound purpose and his own jealousy, which begins with a dubbed kung fu fight between Wayne and Cassandra's dad, Jeff, uh, to show Fucking his worthiness. James Hong. James Hong. He's it's, the best in everything. It's incredible. Uh, I love that scene so, so, so much. If they would have taken literally all of the scenes with Christopher Walken's character and just made it James Hong, like not on the creepy angle, just gotten rid of the sleazy boyfriend angle entirely and just had it be James Hong as the, as the overprotective father, this movie gets better right away. Uh, I, I actually, I would agree with that because then to your issues about this being derivative, it feels a lot different than recycling. Yeah, the, you're not retreading yeah. the Rob Lowe storyline. Yeah. Now you've got... And, and listeners, please note that they originally wanted Rob Lowe to come back and play the role that Christopher Walken did, but he was like, no, that's going to confuse the viewers uh, if I play somebody else. So they literally wanted Rob Lowe to come back and do the smarmy corporate <laughs> dipshit again. You were the smarmy TV guy. Now we need you to be the smarmy record guy. Yeah. So Rob Lowe, uh, when he, you know, he didn't do things like Wayne's World, and the whole reason he did it, and of course he wound up loving it, and it was a big boon for him, was because that sex tape leak. Nobody wanted to hire Rob Lowe. Yeah, having a threesome with the minor will do that to you. Not a great call, Rob Lowe. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, they didn't talk about that on on what I'm going to recommend later, obviously, but that was like the real reason we got Rob Lowe in the first place is because he was, he was nuclear at that, that moment in time, his uh, Brat Pack status had been erased. Well, that, and he wasn't a comedy guy. That no, was his first all. stab yeah. at comedy too. Oh, he's he, great. Brat he, Pack he, denied. Yeah. Due to some small amount of pedophilia. So despite uh, Wayne showing he's worthy to Jeff, uh, he's my name is Jeff. He continues to be very jealous, which ignites this uh, plan to spy on Cassandra. And they're essentially all dressed inadvertently as the village people. Cassandra spots them. They go running into the toolbox and then put on a just dazzling performance of YMCA where the DJ says, get it, girls. I also love, love, love this scene. So does Donald Trump. Oh, don't ruin. Way to ruin it for him. Don't ruin village people. Just because that schmuck plays at his rallies doesn't mean the village people approve of him playing their music at his rallies. Okay. Fair enough. So many questions of all of that. They are all dressed basically as the village people, though. But this is this is one of those things where you see it. You've got a bunch of SNL writers who need to fill 90 minutes, and they're like, what would be a funny bit? And they're like, oh, well, if we had a surveillance team that was all dressed up like this, and then they accidentally ended up in a gay bar, and you're like, okay, let's shoehorn that into the middle of Wayne's world. Of course, this plan backfires just spectacularly. Cassandra, when confronted with the evidence of her cheating on Wayne, dumps Wayne. Uh, She then absconds to LA with Bobby to finish her record. I just have to stop here because Rob Lowe was charming in Wayne's world. Creepy and charming, but Christopher Walken is just fucking creepy the entire movie. And I don't understand why at any point in time she'd think 
he's a good idea. Well, to your point, Thunderous Wizard, we don't see anything on screen that really shows him being suave and debonair to the extent we saw the Rob Lowe. I mean, he's slick and all that, and he, he's a good host, and he seems like he's a decent you know, A&R guy. But yeah, he doesn't do a lot to woo Cassandra, where I, I kind of feel like that marriage thing that comes later just kind of comes out of the blue. Out of does, nowhere. It does. It, it definitely comes out of the blue, but him being kind of skeevy is not like unknown. I mean, well, it's, it's clear. It, it, it's show it's business, clear, and most yeah. time, like your producer person in show business is the creepiest fucking dude and across the board. Like he's trying to convince random young talent to come out to L.A to further their career, which also involves a bunch of shady shit as most of the old background stories go with Hollywood and music and everything else. So it come on, it, baby, I'll make you a star. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, it's clear his intention is to separate her from Wayne and from Aurora to get her. And cause he's like, they're dead weight, baby. You know, you're a star. You don't need these people. And that's one angle. And it's also clear there's also that predatory casting couch angle. Like, yeah, I want to get you isolated. I'm going to get you alone. We'll get you out to L.A. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. But it, it almost doesn't seem like it's for him. It's like he's going to serve her up to somebody else. Like, it's not like 100% clear that it's his intent to prey on her. I mean, I, across the board, it's crazy. Like, he, he definitely comes off creepy. I mean, yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. Yes, he does. Uh, of course... Cassandra now gone, the concert, uh, which was never really promising uh, to begin with, seems like a bust because they put all this effort into it, they train all the, the roadies, they do, they do all these things, and then on the day of the concert, nobody has shown up. Okay, so here's my question. They keep saying, if you book them, they will come. Do they show us them booking anyone at any point they Wait, yes they, no. they yes they know they show you yeah. them attempting to book people yeah you, you do get the scene where wayne gets a hold of Aerosmith's booking agent and trying to talk to him on the phone but um even to the end they're like yo we have no bands again they keep repeating if you book them you haven't booked them you jackasses yeah and they're supposed to get pearl jam too like, Listen, you gotta you gotta put full faith in that this is not that kind of movie. Yeah, yeah no, I, it's I, a it's a comedy just, based on a skit from a sketch comedy. Well, show. Actually, no, it's a comedy based on a comedy based on a skit yeah. based yeah. on a skit based on a skit from before SNL. Okay, let's get through this plot. This movie's almost yeah. over. You can. Yeah, we're almost there. We're almost there. Uh, he finds out Cassandra's marrying Bobby. He decides to pursue her. Uh, he. And rise to the occasion once again to win her back. This makes the best possible use of these men who you see early in the movie who are carrying a sheet of glass and stacking crates of chickens and watermelons. My favorite bit in this entire fucking movie. Yeah. It is, I mean, it is very foreshadowed and very, like, you're like, okay, I'll wait. I'll wait to see how this ends up. Because Wayne literally says, like, you have to think that's gonna come, that's gonna come back later. That's gonna pay off later, yeah. right? <laughs> so, of course, Jesus fucking Christ! He goes to save Cassandra to send up to another very famous movie. We get the multiple endings, of which I'm partial to the Thelma and Louise ending, and culminating in the happy ending where Wayne gets Cassandra back. The band show up for Wayne Stock, and all is well in Aurora. Fade Swing. to black. Showing that is Wayne's World too, so I do have 
a lot of questions. Two of us did not like this movie. That's very obvious. Two of us love this movie because this movie and Wayne's World 1 are a huge part of my youth, and I will never not love them. Uh, so on. One second. One second. There we go. All right. So Wayne's World 2, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how many beers are required. Let's get the negative Nancys out of the way. We'll start with Chumpzilla. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you, Thunderous Wizard. I love the first movie. I owned it on VHS as soon as it came out. I watched that thing like every Saturday religiously as a preteen. I love that movie. It was hilarious. Uh, you know, I was a alternative music grunge guy at the time. So flannel shirts, the Chucks, the whole Wayne's World deal. That was my bag, man. I loved it. Um... And then the second movie came out and I saw it. I just don't remember it nearly the same way as I do the first one. I mean, it just, for whatever reason, it just didn't have the, uh, you know, the it factor the first one had. To me, it feels like it's almost like a straight to a TV sequel. It's just like the same jokes kind of recycled. How many beers? Oh, well, the good, the bad, and the ugly. How many beers? Oh, I give this four beers. Uh, they're mostly enjoyment beers because the movie's not terrible. It's still pretty funny. I like the characters. Like I said, I love the first movie. This is okay, but I think you could probably edit this into the first movie and just make like a, like a three-hour extended cut, and it'd be yeah. fine. You would never notice the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would watch every minute of it and still love every minute of it. This, and, this to uh, me... Yeah. Uh, I was going to say five, but four is oh more scary. Oh, my God. What is wrong five, with you two? Five. We just Come watched. On. We just watched Stort Saves His Fucking Family, which is nearly unwatchable. And this has tons of funny stuff in it. It's like uplifting us from this bottomless pit of despair. And you guys are, oh, five beers. This movie sucks. I, I, said, I said four enjoyment beers. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. They're not pain beers. They're definitely fucking around on the couch. Oh, man, look at it. This is very much a time capsule of the 90s movie because they make a ton of references to things that were within three years topical. Yeah. And, and hey, to your point, Thunderous Wizard, I think the biggest knock I have on this movie, it's not terrible. It's, it's not as smart as the first movie. The first movie was a little smarter. It was a little edgier in some of the references and their jokes. This one was just more milk toast, in my opinion. But hey, you know what? It's not terrible. It's not terrible. We love you, Wayne. We love you, Garth. It's all good. I'm giving it three enjoyment beers because it's an hour and a half, and that's kind of my, like, having fun. I mean, I'm giving it more enjoyment beers if I'm sitting on a couch with a buddy, you know, making random jokes. I do want... I'm hoping that the Thunderous Wizards had has some background for us on where this might have gone wrong with the whole writing and shit. Because I feel I feel like if you would have taken more time and not tried to rush this thing out, you could have produced a much better movie. You could have made a full on sequel sequel that got the same kind of box office numbers as the first one. But I don't know if it's the shortened time frame or the fact that the script was not even close i mean i'm hoping you have some more insight on that but I do. beer ranking wise i'm giving it a three because i, I mean i really like yeah. it i don't i don't need beers to get through it but at an hour and a half i'll drink three beers and have fun with it i mean i i 
I rewatched this twice before this pod because I completely forgot about it for a long time. And then when we rewatched it, I was like, oh shit, I forgot how much I love this movie. This movie is the Evil Dead 2 of Wayne's World. Didn't we just do this? Didn't you no. just do the yeah, same description? Yeah, yeah. you got to get Yeah, I know. I know. I know. So and every and it's appropriate for be, this film that like just it, we tread all the same jokes. Now, now here, here's where I'll say you're wrong, Captain Cash. I, I feel like they doubled the budget on this movie, but I don't really see it on the screen. Also true. Like went not... to pay Christopher Walken's lawyers because he was still embattled in his murder. <laughs> no, I don't know, but yeah, certainly exactly. the chicken... I feel like Rob Lowe has the harder time there, actually, as it, far as lawyers it, go. It, it, well, and it's funny because Robert Wagner ends up being number two in Austin Powers. But moving on. Oh yeah, maybe like Mike, maybe Mike Myers was on the boat. I think that was part of the settlement. Yeah, uh, so. I don't need any beers to enjoy this movie. I rewatched both movies very recently. This one twice, in fact. And that's how I decided to do this one. Because I went and did the research. I like, holy shit, Wayne's World 2 is a flop? Because when I was a kid, I saw Wayne's World 2 first. I believe oh, it was no. it was some sort of promotional thing where I got a VHS at like a you know, like a Burger King or some shit. Yeah, yeah. No, they did uh when this movie came out, the uh, Paramount spent a ton of money to do a dual promotion at both Burger King and McDonald's where they had a deal where you get Wayne's World 1 and the first Adams Family movie because this came out, Wayne's World 2, and Adams Family Values yes. came out like around the same time. So so that's a real thing. That that happened. You were not misremembering that. So I had this movie on VHS, and I, and I watched it all the time. I also owned the soundtrack. I, nice. I, I still have the CD to this movie. It's this sitting... soundtrack or the no this Wayne's soundtrack World two soundtrack. Uh, okay, the soundtrack it's to clarity. this is, is not as good. It's still good, uh, mm. but it's not as good as Wayne's World one. But it is still good. Uh, I I like almost everything about this movie. I think it's very funny. I don't mind the recycled jokes. It it's very nostalgic for me. So I require zero beers. But if I was sitting on a couch with uh, chunk. Uh, Mayor McCheese, because he's not a fucking depressing Debbie Downer like you two, I would have at least three enjoyment beers watching this movie, quoting it, you know, up and down, quoting the first movie. These movies are so great. They're so great. These characters are great. I just love Wayne's World. No hard feelings, Thunderous Wizard. You and Mayor McCheese enjoy the movie. Have a good time. Captain Cash and I will just be over here know staying at home licking the cat's butt yeah. licking the cat's I mean, butt you you guys can put on pacific rim and put on your iron man uh gauntlet gloves and you know jerk each other off they're they're <laughs> infinity gauntlets thank you i feel like this next question is pretty self-explanatory uh because it's going to be split again are we surprised this one didn't replicate the success of its predecessor i will just say yes i would say an absolute mm. yes 180 to 48 million is a gigantic drop. It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. Again, they turn it around in a year. Like I feel like, especially in 93, there's not a reason this shouldn't have made money. There really isn't. Like now, I mean, do I like this movie that much? And do I think it's that funny? Not, not particularly. But just looking at the landscape, Wayne's World is huge. There's a shitload of stuff from that first movie people still quote 
Like the whole like it repopularized the whole something 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 not and between swing and Bohemian Rhapsody and everything else, Wayne's World has a huge huge cultural footprint. I mean, I think there's no se- reason. I think it has several things working against it. It came out in an absolute battlefield, um, you know, of just wildly more successful and intriguing movies. And again, yeah, the, the last point, and the last point I made is when you rush something like this and you don't get the script to be new and creative, like the re- some of the recycled stuff you could do, but don't do it all, you know, mm. like, put drop little nuggets in there and like make the whole thing feel like a continuation of the story and not just a regurgitation of the story. And the thing would have been a hit. And as thunderous withers said, I don't, I mean, the first one apparently slayed overseas and we have no idea if this thing was even, you know, pushed overseas. Cause just by, just by, you know, pump alone, it's going to make its money back as a sequel. And that's what it did. But they could have done it in a smarter way. Mm. Yeah, I don't think this movie should have flopped as hard as it did. Like, I get it. It's not as good as the the first movie. It's not as good as the original. But it's not terrible. And it should have made like $100 million, in my opinion. But obviously, as you pointed out, you know, Mary McCheese and, you know, back to the thunderous wizards point it obviously didn't do as well overseas which might have made the difference but yeah i don't think this this did not deserve to flop as hard as it did it's not that bad it's still funny it's still wayne and garth it's only a year later you think they'd be able to you know catch the interest and kind of ride that wave but for some reason they just didn't so yeah the weird thing is right you look at what he moves on to which i'm going to ask about just a moment uh, austin powers and those movies got bigger and bigger and bigger and mm. they recycle way more jokes. The second two are far worse than the first one. But it was it was an idea that caught on. True story, Penelope Cirrus, the director of the first movie, uh, was very reluctant to forgive uh, Mike Myers for, for his behavior. And then she saw uh, Austin Powers and she's like, you know what, this guy's just a genius at what he does. I understand more why he fought for his ideas. Uh, so, yeah. Here's something to McCheese's point about this movie being very rushed. And it was. It was fast-tracked into production. So Mike Myers uh, decided he was going to make this movie totally different. Uh, it was going to revolve around Wayne and Garth forming their own country after finding an ancient scroll. Uh, and it was a ripoff of this British comedy from the 1940s or something now that to me although different sounds weird do any of you think that would have worked for these characters i do not i for the record that movie was the passport to pimlico and that came out in 1949 to me it sounds like that i mean interesting but it sounds like it would have been worse I don't know. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. Is it just me, or or does that sound strangely similar to the the planned yet failed third Blues Brothers movie? Uh, Related. I mean, they they both go to Europe, and 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 they find like a new following of some sort. 
Now, so he, here's my thing. I, I don't know that the plan for having Garth and Wayne run their own country necessarily tracks. Like, I mean, you're raising the stakes for sure. I don't know that, that necessarily makes sense for the characters, but it would put an interesting twist on the idea of Wayne's world. And it would have indisputably been very different than the movie that came before it. So I'm willing to allow that it might have been better. It's clearly a, a better served in a sketch than a movie. Yeah, I mean, the, I, your writing has got to be spot on to get 90 minutes out of that concept. That's fair. Yeah, I, I, I think you know that wouldn't have worked. Uh, I think that would have been too weird, too big of a stretch. It would have felt too foreign i my in my opinion the logical next step for wayne's world would to have had a competing show with like doppelgangers like evil twins that they had to like compete with like oh now we've become popular so we're being copied so now we've got to fight the copies Uh... that would have been funny that that to me that makes more sense than what we got because again, it 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 takes the first story and continues with it. It doesn't just kind of like recycle it and I, swap out some of the characters. I see what you're saying, but you're really just describing Bill and Ted's bogus adventure. Oh, which is fine, and that worked, right? So why did, why if it's not broke, don't fix it? Before this, uh, oh oh, like Hollywood ne- would never do something like that. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, also about that like they were within weeks of, of rolling film on the passport to pimlico wayne's world they had built all the sets and the studio basically discovered hey we didn't get the rights to to steal this idea uh and we're not going to and they and the director apparently said you could hear them destroying the sets which i think is nuts because how much of it would you have to borrow to insert these stock characters and have it not be some kind of copyright violation? It doesn't feel like it would be that tough. Well, uh, you think about something like Elf, and they basically stole the entire concept from the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frost the Snowman. That's just the costumes, yeah. But you have to get the rights to that. So Rankin and Bass, like they they were filming Elf and were done with it and we're like, holy shit, what are we going to do if they don't agree to let us use this? So mm. it's kind of risk-reward. If you can get it, sure. But if you can't, then you're spending millions of dollars in post to fix or to make something dissimilar enough that you're not going to get sued. Either way, these are all problems that can be solved with dump trucks of money. Well, they but they already poured $40 million into this thinking it was going to be a bigger hit than the first one, and it was not. And I can tell you, with that plot, I guarantee it, it probably would have been worse. Because people are like, what yeah. the hell is this? Uh, it's too weird. It's too weird, yeah. Let's get to the fun stuff. In a movie ripe with homages and satirical takes on other films or real-life events, what reference stood out to you the most? We'll start with Mayor McCheese. I mean, I had a handful. I, I did like the the licorice at the uh, Wayne stock, uh, harkening back to um, <clears throat> Chumpzilla's, I think it was Chumpzilla's, the brown, the bad brown acid from Woodstock. Um, 
I don't think it's actually. It was I, me. No, no, no but, and, yeah. and I did not cook that acid for the record. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Captain Cash. Um, the other one that uh, the picture we sent for the socials, I don't think it's a. Uh, I don't think it's another movie or a satirical, but I love when he tortures Garth with "I'm a leprechaun." Garth, that, that, that's I'm the leprechaun. leprechaun. That, that, that's that's a movie. That was a real Wayne's World sketch that they just put on the TV. So she could oh, Bobby, look how funny they are. No, the Leprechaun but... doesn't do that in Leprechaun. It's him doing it to Garth in or in the yeah. SNL skit. But it's referencing the movie The Leprechaun. That's that, that's a movie. Yes, that, yeah, that, that's what they're referencing. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. But I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the Leprechaun doesn't grab a, a actual flashlight and go around and say I'm the Leprechaun to people. And I'm also pretty sure the Leprechaun's not Scottish. Because I'm True. pretty sure that's the first uh, incarnation of Shrek. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's very close. I like those. I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff I have. Like, oh shit, that's Shrek! There. You know, in a, a different world, uh, Chris Farley would have been Shrek. So, yeah, uh, that, well, it, that that whole movie exists. The whole thing was filmed. Well, no, so so you know, Mike Myers filmed the whole thing with like. Uh, some other accent, and then he literally said, "No, no, no, no." Being Mike Myers again, slightly a dick, he's like, "No, we have to redo it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a Scottish accent now." That that was a, like a last minute decision to redo Shrek with a Scottish accent. Is I'm that do, actually true? I'm gonna do the character from So I Married an Axe Murderer, murder. which yeah. is actually the character from the other SNL skit where I was Scottish. Yep, exactly. Okay, uh, so favorite. Homage, Captain Cash. Uh, so like I know it's silly, but I really love Jurassic Park, and there is oh. a deliberate Jurassic Park reference here. That was and, good. I mean, for what it's worth, like I'm sure they didn't have the actual T Rex from Jurassic Park, but it still looks pretty decent. <laughs> no, they did a very good job with that. Like I mean, it like it doesn't make sense in the movie, and it feels no. very dated when you go back and watch it. Because they do that, oh, look, the water is shaking in the glass thing, but... Oh, fuck off. It's not dated. That's exactly Jurassic Park. I love that scene. It's one of the more tacked-on scenes, for sure. It, it oh, yeah. feels it's, out it's of not, place. It's definitely not necessary, but I liked it. Uh, Chumpzilla. Uh, you know, I didn't really like any of them, and the one that actually irritated me the most was definitely the graduate homage. I'm just like, seriously? We're fucking doing this. This is Robinson, really, really. Oh yeah, no, we're doing this. This is Robinson by the cranberries. No, the lemonheads. Whatever. And and like some that, kind of fruit. Yeah, that the whole gag goes on entirely too long. I'm like, fuck, that was exhausting. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. all right, yeah, all right. So mine is definitely <laughs> with Milton during his roadie training, which is. What we performed at the opening of the pod, which is really a setup to the to an officer and a gentleman. Yes, you know, like oh, you know, Richard Gere. You're, you're you can't do mm. this. You can't hack it. What's keeping you here? Because Chris Farley's great in this movie for the little bit he gets. I'm gonna go pick a fight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good. I friend. hate my dad. <laughs> music. I hate my dad. <laughs> so you could just tell he was gonna be such a star. Despite like, you know, he owns he owns the screen when he's when he's in this movie. He's the funniest person on the screen. Like he sells out like he's just great. I love that that scene so much. Uh, 
building on that favorite uh, scene or joke of the movie. Favorite scene oh. or joke. Oh, man. I got it. I got it. It is 100% the chicken crates and watermelons. Like, at the beginning of the film, there, I forget where it is they're going. Yeah, they're going the to see Cassandra at the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah so the they're going studio. to the studio, and there's they stop the movie in its tracks for like thirty seconds to watch these dudes take out glass, chicken, and watermelon, and they go, "Oh, that's weird." Well, I mean, I hope that pays off at some point. I mean, and then, like a full eighty minutes later. Wayne drives through those things, and we get the, like the watermelon getting splattered, the chickens going everywhere, the glass shattering, and I mean, like it's, it's such it off. it's such insider baseball. But the best part about it is when he asks him, like, "Oh, so you're selling watermelons?" He's like, "No, I just need to be stacking them at all times," <laughs> and they have to walk this glass back and forth every couple minutes. Yeah, and and no, my favorite part of that gag is after the destruction happens, one of the workers looks at the other and goes. Our work here is done. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, mission okay. accomplished. Okay, that that was an 80 minute setup that I appreciated the payoff for. Well done, everybody. Okay, uh, McCheese. I mean, there's probably too many to name. I do, and I think it's recycled, but I haven't seen Wayne's World one for a, a long time, and it's the same thing I did at the beginning. The ordering from the restaurant where he orders in the broken voice and the guy just gets it immediately. Is that, that's, is that from the first movie? Or that's not? in the first one. Okay. Yeah. I, for some reason that always plays in my mind and I always want to do it whenever I go to a fast food drive through. So that sticks with me, but I mean, there's a million more and I'm not going to throw them all out there because we have a bunch of naysayers in the pod. But oh, I like yeah. that one. Uh, every joke in this movie is awesome. Uh, Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Chapzilla. I don't oh. like any scene. They're all terrible. No, 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 no. I have a clear favorite joke in this movie, and it's when Garth is with Kim Basinger, and she asks or she tells him, "Take me, Garth." <laughs> and he goes, "Where? I'm low on gas. You need a you jacket." Need a jacket. <laughs> Holy shit, that is fucking funny. That is comedy gold, Jerry. That is gold. Garth, I'm gonna be frank. Can I still be Garth? I just, I just, Dana the, Carvey those is were funny. Jokes. Those yeah. were actual jokes that were not repeat jokes. You are correct. I mean, and we'll get, we'll get to the where Del. I'm low on gas and you need a jacket. We'll get to the Dell monologue, but also when they, when they wake him up from sleeping upside down and he talks about, I learned this from Keith Richards. And then he yes. goes into the explanation and he goes, that may be why Keith is not killed by conventional weapons. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, the, the Eminem, the, the Eminem monologue, which we're going to do to close out this show is just phenomenal. And we used to do that in high school daily. So I'm not going to choose that. My favorite is, is clearly when they get caught spying on Cassandra and then perform YMCA in the, in the toolbox. I love that scene. What are we going to do, Wayne? <laughs> I love it. Get it, girls! Uh, last question, because... Wait, wait, can I, can I just say the one... Like, if I had to script doctor this, just slightly, because there's one thing that bugged me, the joke was the, the James Hong Wayne Kung Fu fight where they fight each other and very obviously their lips are not synced to the words that they're saying. And James Hong gets some very like... Like, James Hong speaks perfect English, 
but for whatever reason, they they dub over his voice with some other deeper, very clearly Western voice. But they don't do that for fucking Wayne. It's right. still it's still Mike Myers' voice. They needed to not have Mike Myers' voice and have some other deep Western sounding voice there too. Yes. That would have yeah. made the joke funnier. Yes. Agreed. The joke is still funny. Uh, still the other, it would have been funnier though. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I, I do want to throw in because I actually say it all the time at work, like without even realizing it, is the oh yeah, we'll just take these home, run through them with a fine tooth comb, cross the T's and dot the lowercase J's. That's my second least favorite <laughs> scene in the movie. Oh my god. I'd like to think that I have an eye for details. <laughs> Jesus. That all feels sort of ableist if I'm being real with you. Oh, what, what, what's that? Guys, is that what, what's that called? It's just a 90s comedy. It's just a what, what, dumb comedy. Yeah, get off your pedestal. Well, no, hold on. But what, what's that condition called that the guys he's got? got ocular, partial, partial yeah. ocular yeah. albino. Yeah. No, he's he's heterochromia. He's got two different. Yeah, yeah that, that's a different thing. It's a different thing? Yeah, okay. a different thing. In the movie, he says it's a partial ocular albino. Uh, oh, I know. Yeah, I just figured that was whatever. It's just like... I'm going to Google that because I don't think... I don't, I, now it, I want to know if that's actually it, a thing. Is that a thing? Because I was like, oh, that's a joke. I'm sure he's real self-conscious about his eye. It works. It just looks weird. And and then they're like, oh, but we can't look at it because it's so hideous. I'm like, it's not. And then, that. yeah, and then oh you go on gosh. to probably trumpet the Austin Powers movies that makes all these stupid fucking jokes. Yeah, leave it. Hey, settle down on hating on Kevin Pollock. Okay. Yeah. Also, very funny guy, great actor as well. And We're not I'll, hating on Kevin Pollock. I'm not going to give up on the choices of the film. And hey, uh, pop quiz, hot shots. Did you recognize Betty Joe, the clerk? Yes, she's from Conan the Destroyer. I forget. Yes, Olivia Diabo. Yeah, she's the princess in Conan the Destroyer. Okay, yeah. and, uh, amongst many other things. Last question yeah. is: Mike Myers apparently declined to revisit Wayne's World because he wanted to pursue his ideas on Austin Powers. Now, this is a twofold question. Which character do you think is more enduring? And would you give up one Austin Powers sequel to get another Wayne's World? Because I can answer you this. Wayne and Garth are definitely more enduring. And fuck yes, I'd give up one of the shitty Austin Powers sequels to get another Wayne's World. I feel like that's cheating based on the question you asked. Which one character is more enduring? Because oh, Wayne and Garth Jesus are a Christ. duo, you like they don't exist Wayne, without each other. Wayne. Yeah, even still, you can't. The whole purpose of Wayne, uh, except is they that they did movies. exist without each other, and the only reason Garth is in the sketch is because he was more famous than Mike Myers at the time, and Lorne Michaels is like, I love this idea, but you need somebody who can help you carry it. That's why Garth exists. Yeah, and he did help him carry yeah, it. Yeah, but dude, just answer the fucking question, like. Who do you think matters more cultural zeitgeist-wise? Is it Austin Powers or is it oh, Wayne and Garth? And, and this is where I'm getting to. As an as an individual character, it it's really hard to say one way or the other. As a film, it has to be Wayne's World. Like there's stuff in Austin Powers that endures, right? Like the the whole like the handful of gags and it was a launching point for a number of comedic actors in you know in austin powers but it, it doesn't have any near, near the staying power of like 
the the swing, the knot, the like none of that stuff still resonates. Like they they fucking brought Mike Myers back to be in that Queen biopic because it would be funny that Wayne, the the character who, or the actor who played Wayne wouldn't like the idea of Bohemian Rhapsody. Speaking of terrible jokes, that is one of the worst inside jokes. That movie sucks in general, but that was like you've got yes, to be it kidding does. me. Yeah, so here's what I'll try to garner some favor back from you, Thunderous Wizard. Um, I think Wayne and Garth are the more iconic characters um, because, yeah, I think that I think they're more culturally significant, especially in the Gen Z and very early millennial uh, age groups. But here's where I'll probably upset you a bit. I do think, though, if you look at the first two movies side by side. I think the first two Austin Powers movies are more solid because no, the second one is, is is pretty decent. Agreed. And the second Austin Powers movie does what we were talking about earlier that th- that Wayne's World two doesn't. It takes the concept and does something different with it. It takes they, it. Yeah. They, further. Yeah. They take the Austin Powers, the man out of time, and send him back to the sixties. Now with the '90s sensibilities and how does he not fit there? It's a different-ish feeling it, film, uh, even if they happen to recycle some jokes. To, to, to be fair, I feel like Mike Myers learned something from Wayne's World too, which he brought to Austin Powers too. He said, "I will not make those mistakes again." Yeah, well, he had the grace of time and more money to yes. ensure hundred percent that he didn't make the same mistakes. I just think and, and Felicity Shagwell, Shagwell uh, by name, he, Heather Graham, very well by reputation. Austin Powers was a flash in the pan. Did I love it at the time? Yes. Have I ever again revisited that? No. Well, I I can't say that I won't. But will I ever look at it as lovingly as I look at Wayne's World and Wayne's World Two? Zero chance. McChee, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I would give up an Austin Powers for a better. For a more refined Wayne's World 2. I mean, I love Wayne's World 2, and I don't want to see it changed, but if there was a way to remake this movie in the proper way, where they had more time and some more... They had a little more leeway to work on the concepts, I think it would have, it would have played to a bigger audience. I mean, I love the Austin Powers movies, but I'm in the same camp as Thunder's Wizard. I'm... I've never rewatched one of them, and I rewatched this movie twice this week because it's on our list, and I forgot about it. And I'll even my wife was like, "Oh, I'll watch that with you. I love that movie." They're just so charming. Uh, I mean, it's 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 mindless, great. Like it's it's not a hundred percent needed to focus fun. Like they're good cheesy jokes, and you don't have to like sit there and focus or put a lot of effort in. And like you, you like the characters, you invest in the characters. And the only thing I, you know, in, in the back end, this is not the question you want to answer, but it's what I'm answering is I would have wished that they would have spent a little more time doing the second movie more justice than rushing it out for a money grab. Yes, uh, I agree. I agree. It should have, they should have taken their time. There's no reason for this to come out a year later. I still listen. I the the nostalgia you feel for this film, I think I feel for Austin Powers. 
Yeah, I mean, and if that's what you like, it's what you like. Everyone can like what they, you know, whatever. Also, you want, whatever Elizabeth you like, Hurley, you like. Schwing. Schwing. Uh, so that's going to lead us into our first break. And when we come back, we're going to do a truncated Wayne Stock Trivia Challenge because we have covered some of the things in there. Folks, there's just not as much behind-the-scenes stuff of Wayne's World 2 as there is in Wayne's World 1. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. This is our competitive portion of the pod. Uh, I have a series of questions uh, about not only this film, but about the Wayne's World property as a whole. So to chime in, simply say either a sphincter says what? What? You can also say, I'm the leprechaun. Garth, I'm the leprechaun. Where are you going to go? Not to Ireland, because that's where I live. Because I'm the leprechaun. I steal me pot of gold. <laughs> uh, or you can also say, showing. So I have really good news, because the winner of this challenge will receive the loincloth from the half-naked Native American. How did you get that Sweet. out of my closet? I was, about to, I was about to say, I assume Captain Kalash is going to play for keeps here, yeah. because he needs more cosplay stuff. I really, it's high stakes really here, tough gentlemen. time right now. High stakes. So, are we ready? Yep. All right, number one. I'm the leprechaun. Uh, Kim Basinger and Christopher Walken both appeared in a Batman film. Obviously, Kim Basinger is uh, Vicky Vale in Batman, and Christopher Walken is Max Shrek in Batman Returns. Also creepy in that movie. Uh, what other famous franchise did each make an appearance in? Is it A, Austin Powers? Is it B, The Prophecy? Is it C, James Bond? Or is it D, Fifty Shades of Grey? Schwing! Captain Cash. Prophecy? Incorrect. Damn. I'm the leprechaun. I fucking love those movies. Chumpzilla. James Bond. That is correct. Now, I have two possible bonus points for this question. Can you name the two Bond movies? They are different Bond movies. They are different, yeah. Uh, I cannot. They're the ones I don't know. Anybody? Moonraker. Incorrect. It's A View to Kill and Never Say Never Again. I was going to say Time to Kill. Yeah, sorry. A View to Kill. Basinger is in Never Say Never Again, which was the return of Sean Connery. R.I.P. We love you, Sean. Also, Sean. Double bonus question. By the way, Chumzilla is up one to nothing. Can you name the other actor or actress in Wayne's World 2 to appear in a Batman movie? Schwing! Chumzilla. Drew Barrymore. Correct. She is in Batman Forever. She carries the uh, Enigma crystal in her... Yeah, no, she's she's one of uh, Two-Face's gun mauls. She's the white gun maul versus the black gun maul. Yep. So that is now two nothing, uh, Chumpzilla. That's a that's a commanding lead for this trivia. So again, Ooh. we we had a couple of questions cut out. That's okay. Number two, though, Spheris did not return for this movie. She did direct another SNL alumni starring film. Can you name it? Schwing. Versus, Wait for the answers. Ooh, yeah. there's the rules. Oh, sorry. Yep. Go ahead. Is it A. Billy Madison? Is it B. Tommy Boy? Is it C, Joe Dirt? Joe Dirt? 
that's another Christopher Walken impersonation. That one was probably worse. D, Black Sheep, or E, Corky Romano? No, maybe I, not. Not true. I, no, I feel like Captain Cash should be forced to waste his answer yeah, since yeah, he already Cap, in. Yeah, yeah. This is I'm sorry. I Captain thought we were Cash. following the rules. Yeah. yeah I'm, so, sorry, I'm so, sorry. I thought that no, rules. No, it, no, we're following the rules, so now fuck yourself. <laughs> okay. Uh, Give us an answer. Take a stab, Captain Corky Cash. Romano. It is not Corky Romano. You are incorrect. Do we need... Swing. Okay. Uh, Black up. Sheep. It is Black Sheep. Correct. Wow. Penelope Cyrus directed Black Sheep, which I still love. It's a say. great movie. It really I love, is. I love, uh, yeah. Yeah. I love wow. the Spada-Farley wow. combo. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I'm going to shoot. <laughs> Number... <laughs> Number three. It's never going to go away. I'm so sorry. Yeah. We are at 3 nothing, Chumzilla. We are on number three. Uh, in 1993, Wayne's World 2 was not the only thing released related to the property. There was also a video game for Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Nintendo, and Game Boy. Jesus. What was the purpose of the SNES slash Genesis version of the game? Was it A, to recruit enough bands to put on a concert in Aurora? Was it B, to escape from a nightmare arcade that Noah Vanderhoff had built to trap the pair? Was it C, Wayne and Garth trying to stop a rich producer from buying their public public access television show? Or was it D, it was a crude version of what would years later become Guitar Hero, where the player had to use the buttons to play corresponding songs? Schwing. Captain Cash. This is on my arcade. I played this game this evening. None of those are the correct answer. It's like a shitty platformer where you fight bagpipes with guitar riffs. Yes, but oh, you're so, so, yeah, you're in so, a nightmare world. So nightmare swing. world. Yeah, uh, Chumzilla. B. It is B. Uh, the Super <laughs> Nintendo and Sega Genesis versions. You are sucked into an arcade. One of it's actually the Xantar arcade where Garth is captured by the titular purple gelatinous cube and Wayne must save him. <laughs> now uh, the it Nintendo is so bad. The Nintendo and Game Boy versions actually had the same plot as the first film. So to fight off the the rich uh, television producer after he buys your show. Just to be honest, that was going to be my guess, regardless of what Captain Cash said. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that's a video game, right? It, game exactly. So yeah, bad. that sounds that sounds plausible. So yeah. as I was writing these, I wrote that one and then realized it was the actual plot. I was like, oh wait, that's, that's oh. the real plot. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, mm. you've you've won, Chumzilla. You're at like four, and there's only one question Woo! left. So. It's... A rare moment of victory. Chumzel would like to just take a victory lap here. <clears throat> Thank you, gentlemen, for coming out today. But uh, I guess the day congrats was on getting my loincloth. Yeah, used Ooh, by the way. That's so hard. Oh yeah, no. Uh, so number four, Mike Myers apparently nearly quit the first film over the studio's reluctance to use Bohemian Rhapsody. This is yet another example of the onset tension between him and Penelope Spheris. They preferred they use a song from this band. Was it A, Guns N' Roses? Was it B, Van Halen? Was it C, Van Hagar? Just kidding. I mean, Led Zeppelin. Or was it D, Motley Crue? Swing A? 
It is Guns N' Roses. There we go. That was the choice. Mike Myers fought for Bohemian Rhapsody. The studio and the director thought that's way too far out of like popular culture at this point. Like Queen was on the downslide. And really like I think that scene and that moment in time is like at least partially responsible for the gigantic Queen renaissance that occurred. Uh, that reintroduced Queen to an entire generation of MTV viewers. Agreed. Like, yeah, like, I I sort of knew who Queen was. I knew um, another one bites the dust. I knew We Are the Champions. Like I was aware of those songs, but I don't think I'd ever been fully exposed to Bohemian Rhapsody until Wayne's World, and then that was mind blowing. That was like, oh my god, this rocks, and. Uh... I can't help none of you uncultured swine watch the fucking Highlander movie. Well, well, well right. And I, I saw that, but I didn't know it was Queen. I was like eight. But anyway, the point is that that they got that song charting again. That that did in fact restart it, yeah. Queen's you know existence in the popular culture sphere at the time. Indeed. So. Chubzilla is our champion. He has a used loincloth from a mystic Native American who may visit you in your dreams to send you on a spirit quest of sorts. Outstanding. It'll probably be to discover why you have such a large hatred for such a tremendous movie. Perhaps. And I hope you can see it through. I do. Also, he might ask you you to. He might ask you to beat the Wayne's World video game. I'll do my best. By the way, I, listen, uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't get past the first level. It's, I, it's exceedingly bad. I will share a uh, old uh, angry video game nerd where he plays the Wayne's World video game to the social. Ugh. I don't know if you're familiar with that guy, but he plays terrible games much as we discuss terrible movies. And, and he's pretty funny, too. Yeah. Which we are not, at least. So, yeah. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, do our recommendations, close out Hops and Saturday Night Flops, and uh, tell you what's coming up next. We'll be right back. Welcome back uh, to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com, and we are closing out our final episode of Hops and Saturday Night Flops with some recommendations. So, gentlemen, what do you have on tap for us this week? We will start with Mayor McCheese. Yeah, I mean, I have a good one, but I'm going to push it because we're at the end of the SNL flops. And uh, as we're probably going to talk about here in a second, I have a deep love for Chris Farley. So I will recommend his entire catalog. Any movie that you can get with the man, you should watch it. Um, but if you're going to pick one, I would go straight for Tommy boy. That movie hits deep in my heart. I love that fucking movie to the core. I will watch it anytime it is on. And I mean, it's one of those tough things where you see that guy perform and you just realize that he had so many more years if he could have just got past his demons and he didn't, but He's just so good. And, um, I mean, if you can go back and watch any of his movies, watch him. But if you can, you know, if you're going to pick one, watch Tommy Boy. And you get Rob Lowe. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get David Spade, you get Rob Lowe, you get, uh, what's his? Brian Dennehy. 
Yeah, you get Brian Dennehy. I mean, you get you the get a lot of you, you get a lot oh, of Derek. The, yeah, you get a lot of the Chris Farley comedy that he actually created before he even joined on to SNL. Um, like a lot of the college stuff, a lot of the rugby stuff, like all that came from his upbringing. And I mean, the dude is larger than life, and like he's I mean, it's such a loss when you think about it in the SNL spectrum and just like the sort of movies we could have gotten out of him. Yeah. And the movie actually is super, uh, it really is like his childhood. His dad was, was a salesman. Uh, they were like in the gasoline industry. I forget what they sold gasoline for, but that was sort of his, his life. Like, you know, he played and he partied. He went to Marquette University, played rugby there. He actually played with the guy from from the Toyota commercials, Pat. You ever, you know, like you ever watch those Toyota commercials? That guy played rugby with Chris Farley in college. Pat from the Toyota commercials. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that that is his best movie, I think. And it, it's, I mean, you know, McCheese, you and I and... Uh, buddies of ours like that was our comedy generation the Farleys the Sandlers the that class of SNL David Spade and the like and but Chris Farley was the guy we loved Chris Farley and it, it oh yeah no I mean when and when he died like that's that drove us into a really dark place because that dude that brought us so much fucking joy and then it was gone. And we were, I mean, we were super young and like at that, at that age, you don't understand people's struggles with like drugs and other shit. And it was just crushing to realize that like, you're not going to get any more movies out of that person. Like you're not going to get any more joy. And it's all just because they had a problem and they couldn't get the help they needed. And, it's a bummer. Really is. Uh, it really is. And I, I'm actually going to pick up on that when I do my recommendation, but we'll go to Captain Cash. So I I have a recommendation that is somewhat half-hearted uh, this week. I caught... The Expanse! <laughs> no, no, fuck you. Fuck you on both of those. WandaVision. WandaVision. No, I like Vonda Wunderbar. I would double recommend Vonda Division. But Vonda Vision is so good. Yeah. But is that a kind of map? Yeah. It believes in nothing, Vonda Vision. Uh so again, all of those things I deeply recommend. You should watch them. DuckTales comes back on February twenty second. But my half hearted recommendation this week is a movie I caught on uh, HBO Max. It was Lockdown with, uh, what's his name, Chiwetel Ejiofor and uh, Anne Hathaway. And it's basically a heist movie that is literally set amid the COVID-19 pandemic. And the reason I say half-hearted is because the movie falls the fuck apart when the heist happens, which is a big problem for your heist movie. But everything that happens up until that point it's actually pretty good. What are they steal? Bitcoin? Uh, they're stealing a diamond from Harrods in London. It's always a diamond. Or a piece of art. Or the 
declaration <laughs> the, the declaration of the independent they're, they're stealing vondivision 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 no i think her name now is annie hathaway she she doesn't like to be called anne hathaway anymore wait what it's, wait are you serious it's, it's, it's annie it's annie hathaway are you kidding her friends call her annie Okay, just give us your recommendation. I can't tell if you're serious. Get get with it, Captain Cash. Get with yeah, it. Yeah, just give us your recommendations. Damn it. Oh, I, I I'm gonna piggyback right on top of you, uh, there, Mary McCheese, and I'm gonna go back to a movie we referred to during the pod. I'm gonna say, you know what? You want to see some good Chris Farley and David Spade stuff? Go watch Black Sheep. That is probably the forgotten uh, Chris Farley movie, and it, it's actually pretty funny. Go back, watch that one again. It's good. Seriously. Okay. Uh, I'm really happy no, this. No, uh, the, the, the forgotten, the forgotten Chris Farley movie, and I'm blanking. Is almost the heroes. one? Wh- What's up? Almost yes, heroes. The one, it's the one Canadian where yeah, it's almost heroes where That's he's crossing the him. country and he's got to get like the eagle egg out of the fucking nest. Like, oh that shit! That movie is so good. <laughs> it's with Matthew that, Perry. Yeah, yes. That's the last movie before he died, right? Yep. Uh. So, as I said, I'm, I'm going to piggyback on all the Farley love because I love Chris Farley. But my recommendations are twofold. First, it's the Josh Gad YouTube uh, series, which I think I've mentioned before, Reunited Apart. They did a Wayne's World episode. Very insightful, very funny, as always. It, it's just good to see those guys. And I, yeah, he did all these shows amidst the pandemic, which makes it even more cool because it's, he's reuniting these great casts from all these movies we love it's a it's a fun series and it's only you know take you about 35 minutes per episode and they're all awesome my second recommendation is the documentary i am chris farley which i own but it's available to rent i forgot to mention wayne's world 2 is free on amazon prime as is wayne's world watch both of those uh wayne's world was actually chris farley's first movie he was on SNL by that point. He, uh, Mike Myers had met him performing at Second City in Chicago. Knew he'd be a star. And was like, hey, I want to get this guy in the movie. I want to help this guy's career. Um, and then they you know, gave him a bigger role in Wayne's World 2, which I mentioned before. Also pays huge dividends. But I Am Chris Farley really takes a look at not only the tragic end, but the man and, and how beloved he was and how funny, naturally funny and gifted he was and how hard he worked to get a laugh. And gosh, I mean, I just, I miss the guy because I said it during McCheese's recommendation. I don't think there's a comedian or performer that we quoted more. I mean, we still do it today. Like we text each other the Schmitz gay uh, commercial or gif like monthly. Uh, whether it's random lines from Beverly Hills Ninja, it's just 33 is just so, so, so. You, you shouldn't lose somebody at 33, especially somebody I, so beloved. I will say, if you're going to watch I Am Chris Farley, just prepare to ball your fucking eyes out. Yeah, it's it's a rough one. It's a, it is. Yeah. But, I mean, he was loved, and that's a very important thing. Yeah, he, he was an extremely likable dude, and... We made reference to this earlier in the pod that he did play rugby at Marquette when he was in college. And I actually got to play rugby with some guys in Minnesota that had played against Chris Farley in college. 
and they just said he was an awesome dude. They said like he was just a a, a a genuine nice guy. He was super friendly after the matches, and he, he was like he's he's a genuine guy. Like you're just like the Chris Farley you see on screen. It's funny and warm, and entertaining and engaging. That was him in real life. That just that was his persona, on and off screen. I think you know if you if you miss him, it's gonna make you miss him more. But it's also you know, in a way, it's just, it's nice to like see him again and to understand like, hey, we're just fans and we loved him. Like there's so yeah. many people that love this guy. Everybody that knew him loved him. And he wasn't a, a, a Hollywood asshole. He was a good kid from Wisconsin who he made it big because yeah. he was really fucking good at it. And, uh, you know, so anyway, uh, Remember, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself at WriterTLK on Twitter. You can find Captain Cash uh, when he's not talking about... Haunting your dreams when he's in not, an assless loincloth. When he's, not, uh, come on. when he's not talking about DuckTales or The Expanse or... Annie Listen, Hathaway. Listeners. Annie Hathaway. Any of my listeners. Annie Hathaway. Wanna, if you want to start an Expanse podcast or a DuckTales podcast, I am here for oh it. Oh, my God. We were so better, close. We were better so hurry close. Up yeah. uh, I'm under lockdown. I got time. Who wants to do it with me? Hit me up at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H. Uh, yeah, you can find him there. That's where it's at. Uh, or you can find him in the DuckTales uh, only furry group. They meet every year at uh, Steel City Con. Tales, duck, tales uh, are encouraged. Dot com. Only ducks.com? Only ducks. I don't know. <laughs> Only ducktails.com. There it is. Instead of swiping right or left, you fly south. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> what? Uh, hang on. I'm, I'm Let's fumble, but with beaks. Fly south. Beaks. That's what ducks do for the winter. That's a that's a fairly clean joke. That's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Counts. Thing. Uh, thing. You can find Chumzilla at Chumzilla. You can find uh, you can find Mayor McCheese at HBOF McCheese on Twitter. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. Uh, next up, we are going to start our Hops and Double O Flop series, which is. Movies that are all spy-related. And the first movie up is The Long Kiss Goodnight. Welcome back, Rennie Harlan. Welcome back, Gina Davis. That'll be hosted by Captain Cash. So, I felt like we couldn't leave this pod without having our resident uh, shopkeeper murderer share the wise words of Del Preston about his time in Sri Lanka. Captain Cash, take it away. So there I am, in Sri Lanka, formerly Ceylon. At about three o'clock in the morning, I'm looking for 1,000 brown M&Ms to fill a brandy glass. Well, Ozzy won't go on the seizure at night. So Jeff Beck pops his head around the door, and he mentions there's a little sweet shop at the end of town. So we go, and it's closed. So there's me, Keith Moon, and David Crosby breaking into this little sweet shop. Well, instead of a guard dog, they've got this bloody great big Bengal tiger. And I managed to take out the target with a can of mace. But the shop owner and his son, that's a different story altogether. I'd have beaten to death with their own shoes. Nasty business, really. But sure enough, I got them M&Ms. 
And Ozzy went on stage, and we did a great show. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. I really forgot how dark that monologue was until I just did it. <laughs> it's very swing, dark. Swing, 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 swing. No stairway denied. <laughs>